Thank you so much for listening to Breadwinning Mums. We really appreciate your continued support over the last year, and we're happy to announce that we have published the Breadwinning Mums book. This book is based on the conversations from the Breadwinning Mums season one episodes. It highlights the candid journeys of each mums, as well as the golden nuggets of wisdom from their life's lessons. If you're in Sydney, I'd like to personally invite you to the Breadwinning Mums book launch. It's on Tuesday, 12th of March, 2024, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at Harry Hartog in Bondi Junction. Join us for some heartfelt conversations with myself, Wendy Zweglik, Julie Parkinson and Yanti Ropian over cheeky drinks and nibbles. RSVP on Humanitics and search Jane Lim. See you there! Coming up next on The Breadwinning Mums. I'd say get off your ass and do more when you're young because when you've got a family, you won't have that opportunity because obviously you want family more than, than anything else in the world. I've had a lot of really good ideas in the past and people have actually made fortunes off it. Mm. But um, I never did anything myself, which is weird because I was probably too lazy and didn't get off my ass and I probably could have. Um, but I, I wish I'd done that more when I was younger mm. and then when I had family, just you know, toned it back a bit and just spent more time with them rather than me trying to balance a bit both. everyone and welcome to the Breadwinning Mums podcast. This is a place where we debunk the myths of working mums, cheer each other on and show the world that it's okay to be a mum and still pursue excellence in your chosen area of expertise. Today we're chatting with Patrick Sang, who is not a breadwinning mum, but a breadwinning dad with two daughters. Patrick is an NV1 ex-CTO and experienced leader in platform and quality engineering. He shared with us his life story about growing up in Sydney as a young child from Hong Kong, finding his way through world travel and career in adulthood, and prioritising family over work advances. Here we go with Patrick Sang. Welcome. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're not a breadwinning mum. Definitely not a breadwinning mum. <laughs> you are a breadwinning dad though. Yes, yes. Can you take us to the very beginning and tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you came to be where you are? Okay. Um, look, I'm pretty much an Australian-born Chinese. Um, I came here when I was two years old, mm. um, immigrated from um, Hong Kong and 
pretty much stayed in Australia for most of my life until I was about 21 and got kicked out. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just been working ever since in IT. So um, I've been doing a whole lot of different things there. So from, you know, working in small companies and startups to really big enterprises, I kind of do a whole lot of things in tech. Mm. Um, okay. Just to make it really brief and short, I don't yeah. know how... You know, yeah, no. how deep you want to go. I don't Feel have a free. biography, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's the other track. I don't know. <laughs> to be, to be seen. Yeah, exactly. Um, tell us a little bit more about your parents. So uh, were they both from Hong Kong? Yeah. So, you know, mum mom is basically from like uh, Shanghai and then my dad's from the southern part of China. They met in Hong Kong and, you know, that's basically how I came about. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, my dad um, and mum were both doing very different fields. Mm. Um, so I think mum was more of a translator and a, like a diplomat type. Mm. Uh, she was doing that type of stuff back in the day. Mm. Um, and then dad was into electronics and he was an engineer. But then mm. uh, when we moved to Australia, it was, a, it was, a, it was pretty different. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think he was able to get and my The mom, job that he was... The, yeah, yeah, they, they weren't yeah. able to get the jobs that they wanted. Mm. Um, so, you know, dad ended up doing, I think, restauranting for a while. Mm. Um, so if you're ever in the, um, if you know about the city back in the day, a lot of the teppanyakis, mm. they were run by my dad and stuff yep. like that. Yep. Uh, and my mum, uh, she just ended up being a um, stay-at-home mum, looking after, you know, two young boys. And that's how that, that kind of happened. And um, yeah, I guess from, from an upbringing point of view, you know, being in pretty much Sydney, most of my life, um, mm. bar when I met yourself in the UK and all that. And um, I think when I started working, I was traveling a lot. Mm. But um, other than that, um, mainly mainly based here. Mm. Have you heard of the term third, third culture kid? Third culture kid? Yeah. What is that? <laughs> it's when your parents were from somewhere okay. and then they moved somewhere else okay. and you were born there. and then But then you moved on somewhere else again, yeah, yeah. completely different cultures. Mm -hmm. um, have you ever had to, and I knew you moved here when you were two, so it was probably really, really young, but have you ever identified yourself more as a Chinese growing up? That's kind of an interesting one. Um, I think growing up in um, Irvington, which is where I was based when, when my parents first immigrated here, things were really different there. It was, you know, there weren't very many Asians at all. At the time, yeah. And I think growing up, I didn't really identify my uh, as a Chinese person because there was there was None. no one, right? Yeah. It was just yeah. me and my brother and maybe a few others in the area. But um, I think as I got older and I started going to like university, I started to realize, oh, there's actually my people around as well. <laughs> yeah. And I think as I've gotten older, I've started to identify as a bit of both. Yeah. Um, you know, I still feel like I'm Australian, but I do have a Chinese heritage. And yeah. I'm trying to embrace that a bit more because, yeah. um, you know, growing up and even in work, I think we tend to default a lot more to English, um, the way we do things from a Western's values perspective. I think we do that a lot more here. Yeah. Um, and that's also kind of why I like going and traveling and doing that for work as well, because you get to see different cultures and really understand even your own culture. So I went back to Hong Kong a few times for mm. work and mm. that was kind of interesting. Yeah. How was that? How was the very first time you went there? Um, it was really weird and interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, going there, obviously I was born there. And um, I think when you're there for the first time in like 20 years, it feels really weird. It's like a homecoming, but not. Yeah. Because people look at you and they're like, they start you're speaking different. to you. Yeah. And then when you speak back, they're like, oh, that doesn't sound quite yeah. right. What is this? <laughs> yeah. So they'll try and switch between both and, yeah. you know, they try to try to talk to you. 
And, you know, I, I guess for me it was kind of interesting because the amount of times I wasn't sure what they meant, and not because I didn't understand the word, but because... Culturally, the culturally, nuances. Yeah. yeah, I just wasn't, hadn't been there for God knows how long and yep. just didn't quite get it, I guess. Yep. But yep. Um, no, like I, I love it, you know, learning about my own culture. I can't believe it, right? Um, but mm. I guess that's what happens when you move to Australia and you're so far removed from yep. everywhere else. Yeah. It's pretty full on. So do you identify more, uh, from your Asian background, do you identify more as a honky or Chinese? Because that's different as well, right? Yeah, no, totally, totally. It's like, um, yeah, it's so different in the the Chinese side of things. Like, you know, there's the southern Chinese and then there's the, you know, the the rest of China. And um, for me, like, I don't know, I think in the early days, everyone used to say, oh, you know, I'm from Hong Kong and that kind of... Um, I don't know, for some, for whatever reason, people had an opinion that that was different. But these days, it's like, I'm just Chinese. Like, even though I'm honky, yes, um, I think that there is some slight even cultural differences between people in southern China around those type of uh, western ports. Mm. I think they're a little bit different to, like, the Chinese in other parts of China. Yeah. But, um, yeah, still think I'm pretty much Chinese, but born in Hong Kong, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, so growing up at Ermington, did you <laughs> ever had to try to fit in and be like more of a white? Oh, yeah, person? totally, yeah. totally. Um, you know, in those days, um, it was very, very different. Yeah. Um, you know, you being a complete minority, mm. I feel like, you know, people didn't quite know what to make of you and, you know, to a degree, um, you know, there was some ignorance and some racist crap that um, just happens Um, just you know it's just people being people right you got some good people you got some bad people and that's just how it is but um yeah look it's just it's I guess it was pretty difficult at first Mm. um growing up there um and even going to some of the schooling but I'd say that over the years it actually improved a lot and it's not because more of my people came to those particular suburbs but I think people just started to see the difference in cultures and appreciate that more. Yep. So, you know, I, I still have friends to this day that are from primary school and even from high school, mm. and they might have joked a bit about some, some ignorant stuff back in the day, but yep. they're now, you know, multicultural, married to another Asian person. And yep. So, you know, I've kind of seen the kind of suburbs change over time, and it's good. Um, yeah. I like the cultural diversity, and even these days I kind of want that as well yeah for your kids yeah I, I want them to embrace a whole lot of things and I think until you travel the world you, yeah. you don't really appreciate all that stuff so. yeah okay did you see that play out in your early career um what part in terms of having to fit into a certain mold oh yeah totally yeah um okay. I think when you're working in the like corporate scene and enterprises you know, they always want you to um, work in a certain way, have a certain mindset. You know, you, you want to put work first and all this type of mm. stuff. But I don't think, I mean, as you get older, you realize that, um, you know, there is a mold, but you can, it is flexible, I guess. Um, you can bend some rules and you can make it work for yourself. And I think over time, um, you come up with your own own way of dealing with how you want to be seen in that kind of setting. Yep. Um, but yeah, like I'd say when you're first starting off, it is quite different and difficult going from university as an example, Mm. maybe even high school if you dropped out, 
um, to, to going into the workplace, it's extremely different. Yeah. Um, as I got through the kind of corporate levels, I could definitely see differences in the way that um, you perceive culture. And um, I think as you go further up, it gets very different. Yeah. So like culture, it could be just not, not just like race, but also gender as well. I feel like as you get up to leadership, it's more of a, like a gentleman's club where, mm. you know, there are a lot of male leaders and I think that's changing especially um, in tech though exactly well. yep. exactly and I think it's not just tech I think certain industries are geared mm. more towards that but then there are others that are not so yeah I think it's just kind of for me it I could see that but I don't think that that's kind of the case for everyone yeah. else that's all yeah it's improved significantly but there's oh, yeah. still ways to go oh yeah mm. yeah no it was very different back in the day yeah <laughs> it's a lot better now yeah Okay, it's yeah. funny seeing back in the day when you look like I you know, just right? started. Everyone thinks work. you're twenty. I'm not twenty. <laughs> so we met just before you moved to London, actually, and then we caught yeah. up in London. Yeah. How was the whole journey for you? Like, how old were you back then, and how has it shaped the way you view the world? I don't remember. No, look, I, I think I was. I think I was twenty-seven when I first moved there. Oh wow. Um, it was a really interesting experience. Um, I I was actually pushed to do it by my mum. Oh. So my mum is really open to a lot of this this kind of stuff. She yeah. wanted me to see the world and really appreciate what was out there and yeah. not just be like, you know, siloed and kind of mm. sheltered in Australia, I guess. Yeah. Um, she wanted to really go out there and see different things. So, you know, it was great. I'm glad she approved and so I went. Um, and uh, it changed a lot of my perception of what was out on the other side of the world you know it's 25 plus hours away when you're traveling so going there is not something you can do when you're young I guess maybe for a holiday but not really to live unless it's like a conscious decision by your family family. to go yeah right but um you know going over there was really amazing um it's probably the same for yourself as well yeah um you know seeing all the different cultures and really seeing the differences and how um everyone was different and but good different yeah um and also there's also bad that comes with it as well but um no all in all like I really enjoyed my time there I feel like over the course of me being there I got to grow up as a not just um as a from a professional perspective but also as a person yeah I feel like, you know, when you're kind of working and traveling, it's very different to living in another country. And, mm. you know, for me, having to cook every day and not just go eat out because I got per diem from work, <laughs> um, you know, doing the laundry and doing all this type of stuff that you normally yep. wouldn't do and really growing up as an adult was yep. uh, that that was the, the UK and kind of the European experience for me. Yeah, it's a great life skill to have. You mm. trying to, you know, get your own roots again, find mm. a place to live in, find a job. Mm. Set up a bank account was so hard, I remember, yeah. for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, in terms of your uh, family when you first moved here, how old was your brother at the time? Um, my brother, Paul, was four years old. Okay, so yeah. he's two years older than you? Yeah. How did he take it? Do you Have you ever talked to him about the, the experience? Um, look, I feel like it probably was harder for him. Um, so... As a two-year-old, I don't remember much, but I was told by my parents that I already had a grasp of Chinese, mm. so Cantonese to be specific. 
but I didn't really know any English, so mm. um, I struggled a little bit. Mm. But I feel like my brother probably struggled a lot more because yep. he was four and he would have learned a lot more and been yeah um, really. Um, can't really think of the exposed word right now, but really, that. like, not just exposed, but like he's really it, deep into the language. Yep. It would have been really hard for him to change yep. uh, with the language and also the culture. But like, he's doing really well now. Yeah. I mean, if you talk to him over the phone, um, you'd think he's can't completely tell. Aussie, right? Yep. Um, yep. Like most of us. Yeah. So. Okay. And he's taken your dad's footsteps in terms of the um, yeah. hospitality industry. Yeah. You know, he went from IT where he was running the, the retail side of Westpac. Mm. Um, so the core banking, I think it was, um, to then uh, doing restauranting because it was just, I guess, something that my family had done in the past. and. Mm it was also something that he had interest in. So, um, and fortunately for him, he also had kind of um, the relationships from his wife's side to kind of do this type of stuff as well. Oh, okay. They were in hospitality? Um, they just side. have a lot of connections in the Thai community and stuff okay. like that. So I think nice. that was how it all kind of panned out and it was a really good opportunity for them. And so they took it. Yep. Um, and yeah, now my brother is doing really well, so... <laughs> Okay. Shout out to him. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Fang. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. Um, you're married to Tracy, who's also another Asian-Australian. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about her background? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Tracy's, um, she's Vietnamese-Chinese. Um, it's kind of interesting when you go to Saigon, she's in a place where they only speak Cantonese. Uh-uh. It's You don't expect it, but when you go to Vietnam, there's like a, compl- like just a suburb okay. that you go to and it's like... They speak Cantonese, signs are in Chinese, yeah. but they still speak a bit of it. Yeah. I mean, they, they're still fluent, but it's yeah. just the predominant language when you go is just full Cantonese. So okay. it was really interesting <laughs> to say the least. But uh, so she's from there and she basically came um, to Australia when she was about 11. Oh, wow. And a so, little bit later. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, for her uh, adopting to the culture here was a very different thing. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, she got the end, the, got there in the end, I think. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just like you and Moss, you know, uh, you yeah. and me. Um, yeah. So. Well, I moved here when I was 12, so I can totally oh, relate there you to go. your experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, very challenging, I'd say. Yeah. Um, did her parents come from Vietnam or from... From Vietnam. Oh, okay. So they're Vietnamese. They're like, I think, third or fourth, um... Generation. generation Chinese in Vietnam. Oh. And so they I wouldn't even count them as Chinese. They're more Vietnamese, yeah. but... Funnily enough, even even then, after all those generations, they still speak fluent Cantonese. Yeah. But it's like a Cantonese that's lost in time. Yeah. So yeah, it's like encapsulated from that era yeah, in the eighties yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah <laughs> so like I'll mean. say slightly different words compared yeah. to people in Hong Kong or something like yeah. that. So. Ah, yeah, it's kind of interesting, and that's yeah. the only reason why my Cantonese is any, any you know, it's somewhat decent now. <laughs> yeah. It's because I've had to speak to him in Cantonese and get better at it again. Okay. All right. And how has it affected the way you parent your children? Um, Like... So Tracy's uh, from Vietnam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got Chinese heritage. She's now living in Australia. And your family's from... Oh, the cultural differences in how we parent? Yeah. Um, Look, I think that... um, Do you feel like you sort of... I don't know if there's that much difference because I think culturally, like, 
Chinese and the Vietnamese way of doing things is very similar. Okay. Um, we all shout and yell and smack. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you can hear stuff? us from the other side of the room. Like, <laughs> there's no difference, really. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, no, but look, I, I guess culturally there are some things and some... Um, off the top of my head, I don't think that's that different. Yeah. But there are just really slight cultural differences. And I don't think that really impedes or does mm. really anything uh, with uh, or affects any way that we t- we teach and we parent and stuff yep. like that. Um, yeah, I think we just, as Asians, I think we all strive really hard to do whatever we can and, you know, yep. work hard and, and all that. Asian stereotypical. <laughs> You're a tiger dad, are you? A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. I'm finding out that as I'm um, uh, teaching uh, you know, my kids that I probably am leaning more towards that. But I think it's because um, growing up, we were told to, because we were immigrants, to work really hard and, and you know, reach a certain level in schooling to go to university to do all this other stuff. You yeah. know, your typical lawyer, doctor, accounting or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, so I think because of that, I was taught um, more aggressively <laughs> i can't think of the right word but yeah. um you know i give you an example right assertively yeah that's it that's a good one right i think it was more aggressive <laughs> assertive is uh, very light and politically correct okay but no 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 my mom used to get us to learn like 40 words a day and this was from um kindergarten yeah um yeah. so you know if you didn't know it you'd be in trouble yeah right yeah. <laughs> And that was just the English portion, you know, you had math as well. And, you know, going to school even recently, like I'm talking to other parents about what they think about the homework levels and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, I think it's a bit light too. Yeah. But I don't know, I'm trying to hold back a bit because I'm like, oh, I don't think it's enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's always a struggle of wanting them to push harder, but also giving them the childhood that they will only have for that small window of time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Interesting. Um, so you've got two girls? Yeah, two girls, Cassandra and Genevieve. Yeah. Um, you know, they're seven. She's about to turn eight in like five days. Um, eight and four, turning five. Nice. Um, so three-year gap between them. How has the fatherhood journey changed you as a person? Um, it's, I think it's softened me. I yeah. think, um, you know, because I grew up with a brother mm. and, oh, and you, you know, and you guys know, girls. right? <laughs> when, when you have boys or when you yeah. grow up with a brother, it's a very different upbringing. I think we're a lot rougher. I think as we get older, we get a little bit tamer. But, you know, early off, we're very rough. We like yeah. doing a lot of boy things, you know what I mean? But yeah. um, with two girls, I'm learning how to be a princess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. dressing up with them. Right. Uh, you know, hair. learning to cook with them yeah. and, you know, do all that type of stuff. And, yeah, bra- I'm still learning braiding. Okay. I can't do it. I can't okay. do it properly. It's terrible. I showed you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I keep trying. I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm a slow learner when it comes to this stuff. I've never had long hair in my life. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. So, yeah, still learning all that stuff, but um, I'm finding it really rewarding, Mm. Um, especially, yeah, learning about how girls play, you know, how to, you know, get the best out of them as well. I think Mm. it's a very different experience to have a boy. (laughs) Not that I know. I've only got two girls. Yeah. Well, you can imagine. Yeah. Okay. I think parenthood gives you this opportunity to not only uh, reflect back on our own childhood, Mm. but to 
for lack of better word, to fix a few things that were missing in our own childhood, mm. um, you feel like, okay, this is what I'm going to get right this time. Yeah. Can you relate? And if you're open to sharing, yeah. is there any specific area that you feel this way towards? Mm. No, that's a good question. I feel like um, maybe growing up, I had certain regrets. Like, you know, I wanted to do uh, more sports. I think as... Um, you know, an immigrant kid, I think we were pulled and kind of pushed towards academia and that was the only way forward. Mm. Um, being in Australia, I think we're blessed to have a lot of different options and pathways, even into the sporting side of things. And, you know, growing up, I was quite good at certain things, but I was never really able to um, kind of really pursue it. Mm. And so, you know, with my, my daughters right now, they're doing a lot of athletics as well as doing uh, mm. academia and all that type of stuff. And they're really excelling in sporting. So I, I'm kind of glad that they're doing that when I didn't really have an opportunity to do that. Yeah. Um, so I'm really happy with that. But um, other than that, I think um, apart from that, maybe even some musical instruments, which is weird coming from me because that's also very Asian stereotypical. But I never got to um, like play piano or play the guitar. Or I learned a bit of that in, in high school and mm. stuff like that, but mm. I never really got to do it because I had to go to math tutoring. Or... Yeah, it wasn't an option. It wasn't like a professional option. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there are only only three options in your career, right? <laughs> As an Asian. A lawyer? <laughs> a, a lawyer, doctor, or accountant. And you were not. <laughs> I mean... We were rebels, me and my brother. <laughs> we had to get out. IT. Yeah. It's close enough. It's, it's, it's all right, so tick in the box, you know, but... Yeah, so okay. good at that. Yep, interesting. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit more about your life now. What's it like? Um, hectic. <laughs> um, when I'm normally uh, working in a job, you know, um, doing leadership level roles, um, it is really intense. Um, I find that most times I'm trying to balance work and life at the same time, and I'm finding it difficult, and I'm assuming everyone else is. That goes through this too. Um, and obviously, you know, you have to make uh, trade-offs between the choices you make and the roles you take and the work that you do. And I think that is probably something I wish I knew earlier in my career. Um, you know, not just about pursuing money and going up the, the corporate ladder, but really taking a breath and stopping at a certain level to really enjoy life a bit more. Because mm. like, yeah. It gets crazy stressful. Um, I remember being a CTO at one point and having breakfast meetings. Um, so, you know, your kids are still in bed. Um, and then, you know, going and doing midnight and, you know, even really late hour uh, activities with other C-levels to build business or talk about some strategy or some, like, do some business activity at really late hours, come home and not see your kids, they're already in bed. Yep. So, you know, for me... Family's a priority, mm. um, and that's why I've made a conscious decision not to do leadership roles until they hate me, my <laughs> kids. <laughs> and then I can go do that and pursue that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. But even then, I, th I feel like at that point in, in time when they're that age, I don't know if I would want to go yeah. to that level anymore anyway, yeah. um, personally. So. How long were you in this uh, role for until you finally realised, hold on, this is not a, the life that I want for myself? Um, look, as a, as a C-level, I was there for two years, but even the lead up to that, mm. I feel like... Yeah, you had to work for it. Oh, I think as a head of and above, you're going to be putting in a ton of hours unless 
um, you're in kind of a stable company that's somewhat um, enterprisey because if they're not to a certain size, you're going to end up doing a lot more roles than you probably should. Yeah. Um, and it's probably healthy. Yeah. Um, it's sustainable. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I feel like I probably learned this lesson a long, long time ago. Mm. But because of the you know, money. I think it's no money, no problems, right? It's like, you know, you, you earn a certain amount of money, you get used to the lifestyle mm. and then that becomes your base. <clears> and then yeah. you want, you don't want to go under that because you want that yeah. continuity. So um, you end up pursuing more and more and it becomes a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I feel yeah, like... You're stuck in that hamster wheel. Exactly, yeah. right? But I feel like there is a point in time when you can make choices. And again, it's a trade-off. So... Whatever you're most comfortable with and the level of lifestyle that you want. Like, do you want to go on holidays all the time? Mm-hmm. Do you want a really nice house but a massive mortgage? You know, how's that going to affect everything? And like, not seeing anyone in your family for the whole week. Yeah, yeah. like that. that's that's crazy for me. Yeah. Um, maybe it's workable for other people, but... Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've made the conscious choice never to go above like head off or director level because I know it's just too much. Like, yeah. even, even at that level, it gets a bit crazy. Yeah. Like, you know, back-to-back meetings from morning till night. Um, and in my last role, as an example, I was running multiple countries. And in some of the time zones in those other countries, it'd be like three hours mm. um, uh, behind us. Mm. And so that would mean I'd have to work at least minimum three hours um, on top of what we normally work, yeah. right? But mm. then they also work harder in, like, APAC particularly. Mm. With, like, Asian countries and Asian culture, they, they'll do 10 hours minimum. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not kind of really enthusiastic about pursuing something that has that kind of large coverage in different countries again. Yeah. Just because you might be working on midnight most nights. So. Yeah. From six o'clock in the morning. Till stupid o'clock yeah. at night. So yeah. I'm definitely not keen on that anymore. Yeah. I feel like there's a good balance that you can strike, but you got to be really picky, especially when you go up about what you actually do. Yeah. Um, so. I'm I'm happy to keep holidaying until yeah. uh, <laughs> until I find the right thing. Yeah, sounds good. Was there a tipping point uh, that really made you decide, okay, this is it, I need to let go, and yeah. just what happened, if you don't mind? Yeah, no, 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 totally, totally. Um, <clears throat> I think I was, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure of this moment. I was sitting on a step with my oldest daughter at the time, and, you know, I was just really enjoying the time with her. And I just, in my head, I mean, she didn't realize this, but in my head, I was like, this was the the moment for me. It was like, you know what? I really, really want more of this Mm. unless of the really stressful stuff. I really need to prioritize myself a bit more and just do that. So Mm. it was that. Um, There was one other moment as well when I was just really sick of work at the time because it was just Mm. really, really um, intense. Mm. And so, you know, did way too many late nights. Mm. Um, with tenders due the next morning and stuff like that. And I remember walking into my daughter's room, so my youngest, Genevieve, Mm. and just seeing her and just wishing I was kind of taking care of her more and there for her and really experiencing life with her. So that that was huge for me and that was what just, like the next day I basically said, I'm out of here, guys. Like, you know, I know I've done a good job here, but it's time to move on. I don't really want to do this no more. Yeah. Um, that that was really huge for me. Yeah. And uh, it's funny because the next day they were basically trying to promote me, and I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to be a CEO. <laughs> I want you to listen to this. What I want. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, I'm glad I've made the choices that I have now to. 
basically be able to spend more time with my kids. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing. Yeah, cheers. One man. of the reasons why I started this podcast was because I was feeling the mother's guilt when yeah. I left the kids behind. But the other side of this is like, yeah, dads have that guilt as well. It's yeah. probably not as prevalent because it's not something that was maybe allowed you you're allowed as a male you're not really allowed to feel that way you need mm. to provide for the family you mm. need to be you know going out there yeah. um but it's it's a balance right and the girls are only little for such a short amount of That's time right. and the the golden moments are very fleeting it's mm. just you know those simple moments it's just mm. like sitting on the steps sitting in the backyard under the sun and yeah. it's just for a couple of seconds life is just so good yeah Yeah. Mm. No, and that's why I'm so glad I'm not doing all that really hardcore stuff for now anyway. Yeah. Maybe later, but yeah. <laughs> still not there. Now. Yeah. Not now. They're still young. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Um and so right now you're <clears throat> in between jobs, but yeah. when you're working and when you have a family, how do you juggle everything? Is there any specific ritual that works for you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look, I feel I feel like um both of us as parents have to take responsibility and really figure out um, the lines between what is acceptable. And I feel like every relationship um, works in a certain way, but you just have to figure it out. And so, you know, for us, it wasn't like sitting down and saying, these are all the chores that we have to do. And this is all the work that we have to do. And then balancing it 50-50. I don't think that that's ever going to be true for any relationship, but just kind of sitting and talking to someone and finding out what's acceptable for you, what's acceptable for them and compromising because that's marriage and family at the end of the day, right? Everything's compromised. So mm. um, knowing when each of us are really stressed out, kind of taking a step back, telling the other, your partner, hey, it's not been a great day today. Um, I'm sorry in advance of a snap. <laughs> uh, you know, doing stuff like that, I think that helps. Um I feel like um, exercise, crazy important because mentally I think when you're drained or you've had enough and you're not motivated or, so, you know, when you're stressed out, I think exercise is super important and it kind of prevents a lot of the snappy yeah. kind of crap that yeah. happens when it you're stressed out. It just releases attention. Yeah, I think you're lot. just too tired to do anything. You're like, you know what, I'll just do yes, it. Yes, But, uh, you know, people talk about, uh, you know, um, endorphins and stuff like that. But yeah. for me, it's just like, I'm just too tired. I'll just say yes. <laughs> Don't want to talk anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know when to ask a favor. <laughs> Check out on Strava. <laughs> yeah, you'll know when. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But yeah, no, like exercise is super important. Setting boundaries, I think, is super important. I feel like, you know, certain couples want some space as well. So giving your partner some space to do whatever they need to do, mm. super important too. Yeah. You know, I think um, Trace recently went to a concert night with her friend and, you know, I guess for her and for me, we tend to do things um, that are just purely about us. And yeah. I know it sounds selfish, but at some point I feel like people need to be a little bit selfish about themselves to take care of themselves. It's so important to keep your own self outside of the marriage, right? I think yeah. so that you can go back. And give within the marriage itself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So I, I feel like those are the main things. There might be other things, but yeah. off the top of my head, I think they're the most important things. It sounds like you have a really good communication dynamic with Stace. Is this mm. something that's... Sorry, with Trace. Trace. <laughs> Is this something that um, that you sort of had to work on throughout your marriage? And oh, has it sure. evolved throughout oh, time as well? For sure. Like, um, you know, I, I feel like 
everyone when they talk about marriage, especially when they're young, they feel like it's like a fairy tale. I think we're brought up that way, you know. Everything ends with happily ever after. Yeah. But you know, that's where shit begins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's where the shit gets real. That's like shit. I'm married. <laughs> what do I do now? <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, honestly, like you know, I think everyone realizes in the first year of marriage how different it is yeah. and how much you need to work at it. Mm-hmm. And you always need to work at it. It doesn't matter. Like we're coming to our tenth year anniversary, and congratulations. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> but um, you know, even even then, I feel like there are some times when you just I mean, it's not just sometimes, but it's all the time where you just need to work at, at the relationship. Otherwise, it's just like anything. Like, I see it almost as an investment. If you yeah. don't put your effort and time into it, yeah. it's all going to fall apart. And, yeah. you know, sadly, I think that's why, you know, a lot of divorces and the divorce rates are quite high these days because a lot of people are under the impression that if they don't feel like they can, um, if they can't be themselves and they can't deal with that then I don't want them mm. and I feel like that happens a lot in society these days mm. but the reality is no one's ever going to like you for all, all your bad habits and all your cons maybe your pros but definitely not your cons right so yeah. you've got to work at it right there's yeah. no other way to do it yeah, yeah. interesting yeah uh, what's something that you have to unlearn as a dad huh unlearn as a dad um I feel like maybe Oh, that's a tough one. Um, is there anything that I want to unlearn as being a dad that I used to do before? Um, I feel like for me, maybe the my tolerance and my patience has gone up a lot. Mm. I feel like when I was uh, kidless, it was a lot easier to um, kind of have a lower threshold. And I feel like a lot of that's due to just, you know, deal, the, the fact that you're dealing with adults versus kids, as an example, right? Like, you know, they don't know any better. They like pushing boundaries. And so if I was losing it at the same tolerance level as I was as talking to adults, yep. I think it'd go yep. downhill very quickly with yep. the, you know, relationship with my kids and things like that. Yep. Um, I think that was probably the main thing that I probably needed to learn more mm. Um, and unlearn as I was getting older, right? Yeah. Like just snapping and, yeah. you know, just having less patience for fools, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've, I've gotten a lot more tolerant and more patient, I guess, yeah, <laughs> as good. I've gotten older. That's good yeah. to know. Yeah. Can you take us back to the young Pat? <clears throat> what was he like? <laughs> he was always in trouble. Um, <laughs> was he? Yeah. Look, I, I, I'd say that even though uh, from like kindergarten to... Maybe about year 10, I was a, like a, a really good student. Mm. I'd always have this streak of rebellion. Um, so even from kindy, like I was in detention every day <laughs> doing <laughs> something stupid. Like I'd be like, I don't know. I can't mean, imagine it. Throwing rocks through a window across <laughs> the road. Um, pull another kid's pants down just because I thought it was funny. Um, oh, you're that kid. Uh, I was that kid. <laughs> I was just causing a ruckus and making people laugh. I don't know. I don't know what it was, you know, that motivated me to do all this crazy yeah. stuff. Um, um, but like a child, maybe. Yeah. Probably pushing and exploring all the boundaries. Maybe that was it. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. even to this day, I don't know why I did these stupid things. But um, no, look, I grew up. Um, over time and I feel like I really grew up around university because mm. I did the same sort of stupid shit in uni too. 
Okay. You know, I, I didn't do too well at the beginning and it's because I was partying too hard, you know. No silver spoon anymore, no teachers around, you can do whatever you want, right? Yeah, yeah. But um, no, I learned really quickly because um, I was failing so much <laughs> for the first two years <laughs> to really step it up. And so yeah. like I aced my last two years but screwed my first two years so yeah. it balanced out to be okay. Good <laughs> <laughs> enough. Okay. Did no, you know that funny. you were going to be a dad? Oh, um, I never saw myself until much later in life, I guess. And I, I to be honest, I never really thought about that at, uh, as a young like mm. uni student or mm. as a kid. It's like I always you kind of knew I would have kids, but just never really knew when. And okay. even in my 20s, I'd say I was not really thinking about having a family because it was just it was just such a different mindset and it wasn't until i think maybe towards the end of the uk experience that i was like oh maybe we should get into a more serious relationship and down. start You're getting older 30 then, right? exactly yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. so you know i was yeah i think that's when i really wanted to kind of settle down and you know really change um my thinking and, and all that type of stuff but yeah before that it was all party <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you got the best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah. I think I just pushed it to the end. And... <laughs> <laughs> like uni. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I've been, uh, I've been always doing this roller coaster thing. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, it sounds like it's a perfect timing because not long after you met Trace. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Here we are. Yeah. So I'm glad that worked out. Phew. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, sounds good. Yeah. Do you have an alpha dad song? So if things are going alpha crazy at work, song. your kids are giving you hell, and mm. you don't feel well yourself, is there any specific song that you play on the back of your mental mind? <laughs> I don't know if it's a specific song, but it's a genre. Yeah, okay. So it's funny, like, if I'm really happy, I'll listen to, like, electro, because that's, that's my jam. I love that stuff. Yeah. But then when I feel like either working out or I'm angry, I'll listen to like rock, hard rock, okay. heavy metal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of the stuff I used to listen to in high school. So, yeah, um, I, yeah totally. I'll, I'll listen to that. And okay. so if it's really stressful, all you hear blasting in the, in the car is like Metallica or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't approach. Yeah. <laughs> Wait until the workout. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So you kind of know my mood based on the music. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I got some really mellow stuff as well. So yeah, it just depends on the day and how the stars align. If I got good sleep, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's important too. Yeah, um, the sleep, exercise, and also your social circle um, mm. is is very solid, from what you've told me. Yeah, yeah. Look, still friends with people from kindergarten all the way up to mm. high school. Actually, still have a friend from preschool that I still keep in contact oh, with. Oh, that's so good. So um, you know, for whatever reason, I don't know how it happened, but my high school year particularly is still very strong like everyone still knows each other we try and ask about each other through friends of friends and mm. um i think the last time we all met up as a whole year was during our reunions but i mean that was that was a while ago the last one we had was 10 years we didn't do the 20 years yeah. <laughs> get too old for that <laughs> shit <laughs> but no look we still meet up as friends and stuff and you know yeah. occasionally the the different groups will merge and we'll go out and do something for yeah. someone's birthday party or something so yeah. Okay. I mean, even recently I had a poker night with all my high school mates, so mm. that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. and, like, that, that's super important in life, like you're, I think you were alluding to. Like, um, 
you know, you need the support in life to get through everything. Mm. And it's not just family. You know, you can have really close friends that will really support you through life. And I've been lucky to have a few of those in my life, particularly from kindergarten and some in university even. Mm. So you met Warren mm. and all that. Mm. Yeah, they're good mates, so. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Um, if you could give your younger self one advice, mm. that young Pat who's just on that trajectory towards becoming a CTO, mm. knowing all of the wealth of knowledge that you know now, what one advice would you give that young Pat? Mm. I'd say get off your ass and do more when you're young because when you've got a family, you won't have that opportunity because obviously you want family more than, than anything else in the world. And I feel like if I'd you know, really pushed and created businesses or like, you know, created a startup, did something in technology. Because I have a, I've had a lot of really good ideas in the past and people have actually made fortunes off it. Mm. But um, I never did anything myself, which is weird because I was probably too lazy and didn't get off my ass and I probably could have. Um, but I, I wish I'd done that more when I was younger. Mm. And then when I had family, just, you know, toned it back a bit and just spent more time with them rather than me trying to balance a bit both yep. now. So yeah. I think that's the main thing. Earn it early, yeah, and just enjoy life later. You know, I think that's that's probably something for all the friends that are also twenty. Yeah, <laughs> do that now. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Well, Pat, thank you so much for being here. Awesome. No, thank you. It was a pleasure. This episode of the Breadwinning Mums was produced by me, Jane Lim. And our theme music was produced by Sam McNally. We recorded this episode on the lens of dark people who have passed their parenting story for generations. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and thank them for caring for country. Connect with us through LinkedIn or Instagram at Breadwinning Mums. Until next time, 